Good morning. It's Saturday, August 18th. My name is Casey or Ryan. This is Figuring Some Shit Out. Good morning, guys. I just want to jump right into uh, you know a little quick topic today. I'm going to keep it short. I'll probably give you guys about 20, 30 minutes of of a, a cast today. I got some things I got to do. I got some running around I got to take care of, but I don't want to neglect you guys, those that have listened, those that continue to listen. I just want to make sure that I, I keep doing what, what I enjoy doing and what you guys enjoy listening to. Um, so today, it's like, it's a, like I said, it's a quick topic. Um, I just want to talk about uh, a little bit of a continuation of yesterday where we talked about an apple a day, nourish yourself. You know, one point that I, I really wanted to stress was that make sure that a positive affirmation is coming back to you from yourself uh, and the reciprocation. We talked a lot about that yesterday. We give and we receive, uh, you know, so that's, that's like the goal, right? You, you go out, you make these relationships, you make these connections and these people show love, you give them love and you have a positive you know, interaction, right? But the big key is we're going to turn the volume down on that negative internal dialogue and we're going to try to start turning the volume up. And this is the part I really want to focus on. Turn the volume up on the positive inner dialogue or if the volume's at zero, at least get it to a one. And so that's what I want to focus on. And the ways that you can do that are specific because I, I know I touched on it. I mentioned it yesterday, but I didn't talk about Anything specific, I said that once you have something that feels like an accomplishment, then you should celebrate that for yourself. But the, this is the part that I want to stress is that how big of an accomplishment, right? What, when should you celebrate? Did you tie your shoes? Is it time to celebrate, right? No, but I want you to recognize anything that took any level of measurable effort. So I don't, I'm not saying that if you got out of bed, that that's automatically a celebration, but if you're the type of person who struggles with getting up in the morning or you're fighting depression or you're just fighting having a rough week or having a rough day and it's difficult for you to get out of bed, celebrate that. Take that moment and say, you know what? That's step one. That's step one of my day. I got up and, and now I can actually start my day. But if you don't acknowledge that, if you don't give yourself credit for that, what's going to happen when you hit that first hurdle? The negative dialogue is going to come back in and send your ass back to bed. And then that will undo or it can unravel the hard work that you have put into this point. And that's not what you want, right? You definitely don't want to like take steps backwards, one step forward, two steps back. That's not going to help you. At the very least, what I'm trying to get us, myself included, into that mindset is let's take one step forward at least for every step back that we take. So if I'm going to take a negative step back, let me make up that ground and just take a step forward. Because what we're doing right now is we're stopping and slowing down the backpedaling, right? So we don't want to continually go backwards because that's obviously the opposite of progress, right? We're digressing. We do not want to, to go backwards. We want to go forwards. So I think one thing that can help all of us is just keeping in mind that every time we do something negative to ourselves, like that negative inner talk and that negative inner dialogue, and we bash ourselves and we treat ourselves bad for making mistakes, that doesn't get made up on its own. That doesn't just go away. We're taking negative mental steps backwards. And I know you guys recognize this because, and I do the same thing. It's like when I mess up and it feels familiar, like a mess up that I've made in the past, I start going, oh, here we go again. I've done this in the past, blah, 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 right? Because I haven't really forgiven myself for that mistake. And so I dredge myself through the same old tired routine. And then that's exhausting. That's mentally and emotionally draining. I'm just destroying myself when I do that, right? And I don't want you guys to do that. I want everybody out here to think like, okay, 
I made a mistake. This is a one of one, right? It's a one of one. And I need to now do something positive to get myself in the right direction because you need to make up all these negative steps. We, we have been putting ourselves in negative emotional steps, backtreading for so long that it's just a, the, the emotional debt is just massive right now. And so we need to build that back up into a positive way. So step one of this particular uh, piece that I want to address is let's just acknowledge the things that we do that took any amount of measurable effort. And, and what I mean by that is obviously I'm not, I don't have an effortometer, right? What I'm saying is if you recognize that that took some level of effort, or if you took an action that when it's done, you take a breath or a pause to recognize that that action occurred, that's a positive. That's actually worth noting. But normally what we do is we sit for a second, we breathe, not even a full second, right? but the mental one second, right? That tick, that tick of the talk that in your mind feels like a full second or feels like a full five seconds. If that happens at the end of something, uh, then I would 100% take a moment to acknowledge it, just accept that it happened and it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. So that way you can start repairing the damage that you've done to yourself and the damage that we do to ourselves, right? You know what I mean? So what we really want is to build happiness. We want to build that emotional strength so that when these slings and arrows come, we're not reduced to rubble, right? We have established ourselves as strong and confident through our foundation of friend groups, right? Through this positive self-talk to, to who we are emotionally, right? Through this self-nourishment, right? So specifically, I just want you to think, like, when's the last time I did something? You know, um, what did I do? What did I do today? I, I was thinking of something uh, yesterday. I gave myself big kudos. Me and my wife had a, uh, we had a disagreement. I won't even call it an argument. It wasn't big or anything like that. Uh, but we just weren't seeing eye to eye it was literally disagreement on this particular scenario. And I felt myself getting angry about it because I felt like, oh, she just can't see my side. And this is not me to like rage or whatever. It turned, I mean, it, when I recognized that I was spiraling a little bit, I was able to stop it. You know, and what's crazy for me is that normally when it comes to something negative, I will normally, again, guys, my shit's not figured out. Normally I'll spiral into that anger. I can get quiet. I can, you know, regress and, and disappear into myself. And that's a really bad thing to do anyways. But especially for somebody like me, who's outgoing, extroverted, I enjoy being around people and company. So it's like when I, when I withdraw from people, that's really negative for my spirit, for my soul, like who I am. That's just bad for me. Um, anyway, so I recognized this and the, and the reason I was able to recognize it because now I'm being more mindful, not just for myself, but it's like, I'm, I'm up here doing a podcast called figuring some shit out. And I'm trying to give people guidance on figuring shit out, or at least tell them about my journey. So how can I possibly go forward, um, being real about this if I'm not being mindful? So it's like, it's actually like just doing this podcast is giving me mindfulness about other things because like the thought came to me like damn I'm disingenuous if I if I continue down this negative spiral and that's the thing that snapped me out of it and I I told her, I was like oh my god I'm arguing with you it's like I'm I'm getting out of control over nothing and I mean I'm using the word out of control but I told her I was like I'm getting upset and it's not you know it's not necessary it's not worth it you know and so Joe was like damn you're right you know and we both just kind of pulled out of it and we're able to you know, to, to resolve this disagreement. And what it turns out was just like, we just had different perspectives on the same thing that was happening. 
But once we calmly were like, this is my perspective. This is my perspective. Oh, I understand your side now. Well, now we can move on to to conclusion, right? And that was like, as, as someone who likes to be logical, that was so re- rewarding for me because we had to go from, we got to go from an emotional state for the both of us to a logical state where we, we had resolution for the problem. But then we also addressed uh, the the emotional things as well. Like, oh, the, we both got to say our piece. We both got to express how we felt in a safe way and a non-threatened and a non-threatening way. And it was just a, a positive overall outcome. So, you know, kudos to me. Good job, Casey. And good job, Joe, as well. You know what I mean? Like, we both recognized it. We both acknowledged our side of things. And it just totally diffused what could have been an idiotic fight in a really long marriage, right? Like, just pointless fight. And, you know, I'm really happy that I was able to pull myself out of that. You know what I mean? So, good job, Casey Ryan. Good job, Joe. We did our thing, you know? And I think that you guys should start doing little stuff like that. So you know that takes effort, right? So if you saw me do it, you'd be like, oh man, dang, that's a good job. He really did pull himself out. So you should do that for yourself, right? Start start analyzing yourself on the other end of the spectrum, not just the negative end of the spectrum. But when you get to that point that you're taking that mental pause, the five second mental pause, and you recognize that um, something has occurred, right? That took effort. Ask yourself, was that a good thing? Was it good or bad? Just straight up black or white, good or bad, right? If it was not bad, aka good, then go ahead and give yourself give yourself a little mini mini round of applause inside your head. Give yourself a little mini pat on the back, right? Just turn the volume to one, 0.5, right? Just turn the volume on your positive activity and your positive inner dialogue from zero to any amount of volume. Because I'm a firm believer that it's hard nigh on impossible to have both voices at 10. You can't have a negative inner dialogue and positive inner dialogue at 10, not at the same time. And I do believe that they can drown each other out. So the connection to me is, oh, we're all, we're all running around with our negative inner dialogues on 9.5 and our positive inner dialogues on 0.5, right? To make up 10 total volume. Well, you can't even hear that positive inner dialogue with all of the negativity that you're just spewing to yourself, the way that you treat yourself emotionally, right? You're just destroying your soul, your spirit, who you are. You're just breaking it down. And I, I trust me, guys, I do the same thing. I'm not preaching. I'm not telling you that I'm practicing this, right? I'm telling you that like, I do it too. I recognize it within myself and people that I care for that they tear themselves down more than they build themselves up. But again, if you have that foundation, that community, that will, that will keep you as a safety net from falling too deep, too far. Because if you have good, close personal friends, family members, those that love you, there's no possible way that you get so dragged down into the mud that you can't come back. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's the key is that the foundation will will keep you from falling too far up, too far down, and they will prop you up a little bit extra when you're going for goals. It's not their job to 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 love you for you, right? You still have to love you for you. It's not that's not the goal. That's not the job of the community of the group. The goal is that that foundation will keep you from falling too far. And it'll also give you a little boost when you need that boost. But you're the one who has to reach for that goal, right? You're still the one who has to tell yourself you can do it in the first place. And then when you get that little boost, then you reach that goal, you achieve that thing. Now you know you're really doing your thing. And that's a really big deal. You know what I mean? And that's like, 
uh sorry i'm getting a little bit distracted i'm supposed to meet somebody in a little bit and so i just wanted to check on that topic i told you guys i have an errand i have to run um so set my schedule back a little bit so maybe we'll talk for a little bit longer today but i did really want to touch on um on that positive volume um let me let me reply sorry guys i know this makes for really good really good podcasting I'm sure you're super excited to hear me responding to a text message. All right. So you got to start turning that positive inner dialogue volume up because I definitely believe that it will counter the negative inner dialogue. And it's scary to tell yourself things are good. That's what's so dumb about it. That's what's so hard about it is that if you tell yourself that like you're doing good or that you're feeling good or that you've accomplished something, that's scary because it's almost like you're, it's almost like you're so used to the negative that like you can step out on negative, right? If you do negative, that's if you talk negatively to yourself, it actually feels like you have a stepping stone. Like, oh, that means I can do something, right? If I messed up or if I didn't do as good as I wanted and I can focus on that, that means that I have something to build on. I actually can give myself like items that I need to work on, a checklist, right? Oh, you suck in this way, this way, and this way. Well, if you suck in all these particular ways, well, then... You can work on those things, right? But that's not actually how it works. So what we're doing is we're, we're actually just tearing ourselves down and keeping ourselves down. When we say these negative things, we're not putting bricks under our feet. We're putting like bricks over our head, right? These things are just waiting to fall on us or that's how it feels. And so you drive yourself to action, which like, again, that's the whole point. I actually talked about this. I talked about getting Kent mode and how uh, yesterday I talked about Kent mode and Kent mode is when you hear that negative inner dialogue, that's a call to action, not a call to more negative inner dialogue. So we can't totally turn the volume off. When we make mistakes, we should feel a little bad about it, right? Like we shouldn't just be like, oh, well, another mistake, da, 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 da. If you make a mistake, you should want to do something about it, but you should not destroy yourself emotionally. You should not be beating yourself up because you made this mistake. You know, same to me, right? Same to Casey, same to Casey Ryan. Um, and I think... Once we start turning the volume up on that positive inner dialogue, what's what's crazy about that is we start putting the actual brick, bricks under our feet because we can take these items from above our head and start putting them under our feet and use them as stepping stones. I'll give you an example. Um, dang, I, I used to kind of hesitate to use the example because you guys are going to think I'm full of shit. So I'm really nervous about public speaking. No shit. It's a true story. Um, and... I'm really into sports and sports radio and sports talk and stuff like that. Obviously, I like talking. I mean, I'm doing a podcast, right? I like to talk, but I'm more of a one-on-one person. I get nervous if there's a crowd. Um, So back in the Bay, uh, I want to say like close to five years ago, something like this, they did a, um, there's a 95.7 The Game, or I think it's called 95.7 The Game, whatever. There's a sports, FM sports radio that was just starting up. And they had gotten all this money, all this backing to start doing local sports in the Bay. Like they were, they were covering like, you know, Major League Baseball and MLB, or sorry, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL. They were, they were covering this and, you know, doing a lot of interviews. Um, they had like an official pregame show for the Oakland A's. Like they were getting like official stuff right away and they were growing really fast. And they thought that it would be really cool to bring somebody in from the Bay Area to be on the show. And by the way, I'm not shy talking in front of a, this this podcast group because it's it's just theoretical people, right? It's like I'm it could be a million people listening to me right now. I'm literally just sitting in my, you know, in my space with a with a headset on and a microphone. So it's like it doesn't matter, right? It's just theoretical. People could be one person, be a million people. You know, I mean the entire planet could be listening and it's like I wouldn't know. I don't feel their presence, so I'm not as nervous about it. Um but anyways, nice tangent for you though. That's a nice little little bonus 
bonus track uh, tangent for you. So they invited everybody from the Bay to do this mass audition to be a, a caster, a broadcaster, or what do you, what do you call them? a commentator, whatever you call people who work in radio, I don't even know, to audition to be on the show. And the way they did this was they had like several rounds of open auditions, right? They had basically like what you would think of like as a group stage where it's just the mass audition. So what you would do is you would come in and you would be you would have a 50-50 of either getting a uh I don't know what they call it but like basically a a, a script like you would have a news script you know how they do like the 30 second um news of the day brought to you by this guy you know we do this that and the third oh and you know Steph Curry had a new record of blah 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 right so like it's a 30 second spiel it's a script and they give it to you and that's one option, right? So you have 50-50 shot. And then the other one is they'll give you a topic and you have to talk for 30 seconds nonstop about the topic. I think it was 60 seconds for each. I think it was like a 60-second script or a 60-second topic. And so they had like several places around the bay that they were going to do this first round. And then they would cherry pick people from these rounds to come and do to move on and do kind of like an elimination round and then basically becomes a playoff bracket until there's one man left standing. Um, and I, it was some, it was some brother from the, I want to say from the East Bay, like Dublin Pleasant, something like that, who ended up getting the gig. I forgot his name. I feel kind of bad about that. Cause I was really following that story. I thought it was really interesting. Um, he does their Sunday shows though, or he did. I don't know if he's still there. Uh, cause that, you know, I don't live in the Bay anymore. I live a little bit North, so I don't listen. Um, you know, shouts to 95, seven, the game. Um, but anyways, I, uh, so the audition thing happens, right? And it's in, it's, this one's in San Francisco. It's at that bar. I forget the bar is called across from, uh, ATT park. So I live, you know, a little bit North. So it was a bit of a drive, but I did, I went down there and I was like, I'm so nervous. I'm going to have to talk in front of people because it's live. Like you're, you're standing in a room with a hundred, literally a hundred people. And then the, the four judges or whatever who come from, uh, from the radio station, like a couple of them are like, one's a producer, one's uh, an executive. And then you have like two on-air personalities, right? Like two on-air people. And so it's, it's an intimidating group. They're, they're literally sitting on this like elevated platform, you know, uh, they've got the, you know, the chairs behind the, the desk or whatever. And then you have a hundred people just gathered around this bar and there, it's you and a microphone. And I, so I'm driving down there. I'm like shaking nervous. Like every minute that I'm driving, I want to quit. I want to like, I'm just going to turn around. You know what? And I start giving myself all these reasons that I could just give up. And then I was able to find the one inner voice that said, hold on, there's a middle ground between going all the way down there and doing everything and quitting. There's a middle ground between winning and quitting. And the middle ground is step one, just show up. Just show up. If you go there, you show up and the nerves are killing you, we can always quit then. It's not it's never too late to quit. But once you quit, we can't we can't turn it back on and go back. We can quit at any moment. So this rational voice came through and it said, "You can quit if when, once you get there." So I got there and my nerves were were high. That actually calmed me down enough to get there, right? So I drove down because I I had already known, oh, and it's first come first serve by the way. So it's like you line up with 100 people and then they just go through the line. You don't sign up or anything like that. You just go there and you wait and chill. So I go, I get to the place and I'm like the fifth in line or sixth in line. Number six. I still remember because my nerves were so high. I was counting how many people in front of me, how much time I'm going to have to prepare. Oh my God, that's only six minutes. And even if they take 20 seconds in between, so I'm panicking again once I'm there. And then 
that voice came back, right? And it was like, all right, you can quit right now for sure. There's no coming back from that. You could, you can drive down here and then look at it, say you tried and then leave and you can live with that. And you're going to go home and tell everybody that, that knows that you're down here, which is your whole family, that you didn't do it. How's that going to feel? And then the voice was telling me, um, well, the, vo- the voice, the voice, my inner dialogue was telling me, I was thinking to myself, uh, okay, well, now you don't even have to speak. If you don't want to, if you're scared, you don't have to, right? You can get out of this line anytime you want. If they give you a script and you leave before it's your turn to read it, no one will even notice. There's 100 people here. The, the good side of having 100 people is that no one will notice. So I get downstairs and they're doing the intro. They tell everybody about everything. They're like, hey, we're going to get started in about 20 minutes. You know, just make yourself comfortable. We're going to get set up. We're going to get the mic and everything set up and do sound check, the whole shebang. Heart's beating again, right? It's like, okay, I'm sixth in line. And they give you like tickets basically, like you're at a deli counter, right? You know what I mean? Um, let's see. Anybody not from like the Midwest and back east, how would I compare this to? Uh, oh, it's like being on hold for customer support, customer service, right? Your number, six in line. Cool, right? So we got the concept. But anyways, so they would deli counter ticket, your sixth in line thing. Uh, and so when I get down there, I got a little bit of a bad break because instead of getting th- the 60 seconds to talk about something, a topic, I got the 60 second script. And so I don't know if you guys can tell this, but I feel more comfortable without the script. I feel more comfortable being able to uh, talk freeform, obviously, right? It's like, it's kind of what I do. I feel good about that. I feel okay with that. So I'd rather have a concept, think it over and then like present my case, right? Almost lawyer style, but not really, but just, you know, argumentative style. Debate style, I guess you could say. Um, so I get the script and I, it's kind of a bad break in the long run, but at the moment, at that minute, I felt good about the script. It's like, oh God, I don't have to think. I don't have to come up with something to say, stutter, stall. I can stare at this paper and read the script while people, you know, do it. And so what happened was like, it was like the first three people that went up were like, uh, they got the free form. And then like somebody went with a script and then another free form, then it was me with a, with a script. It was something like that, right? But So I got to hear these people talk. They had confidence. Some of them were a little bit nervous, but like, I mean, they pretty much did their thing. But when it got to like the fourth guy, I had that feeling in my gut that it was like, oh, I'm about to run out of this room and I can't even control it. I'm about to be outside in my car in 30 seconds and I have no control over it. And then I was like, I was so scared to move because, you know, I was like near the front because I was sixth in line in front of all these people. I'm like, crap, if I get up and leave, I just pretend I'm going to the bathroom. So I start playing this scenario out in my head like I'm about to quit. So the so the fourth guy finishes and the and the, the urge to leave was so strong. But I was like, OK, you can't leave while this other guy's getting up. It's going to like cause confusion and draw attention to yourself. You have to wait for the fifth guy to go. So the fifth guy goes up and I'm just like paralyzed with fear. I was like, oh crap. And so for that 60 seconds, by the way, the whole time I'm reading the script, trying to like calm myself down and get familiar with it, put a personality to it. How am I going to sound, right? Trying to do this while I'm freaking out at the same time. And I thought, okay, because my name is Casey Patterson, I would like, I would like to have a catchy name. And I started thinking about the script, okay? And I was like, oh, this is weird. This part seems boring, Da, 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 da. So I go up, I actually go up, right? So they, they're like number six and I stand up and I look around the room and I like, I like stared at the back, <laughs> back door, like I'm about to run out. And I walked up to the microphone, terrified. I'm holding the paper and I say, Hey guys, I'm CP from Oakland. And I just started reading the script and I, I it's a, it's a laminated paper because they, they want to reuse them. And I had like made markings on it 
for myself, I think I had a marker in my bag or something because uh, I had come come from work or some some crap like that, right? So I marked it with changes that I wanted to make. And I read it, you know, and when I was done, everybody just applauded. Like they were like, good job. It wasn't like overwhelming, like, oh my God, you blew us away. It was polite. But they applauded and I did it. I got through it. You guys, I was so unbelievably proud of myself that I got through that. I could not believe that I had done that. And the feedback was from then that I got a little bit flat in the middle, a little bit monotone, and that they had lost, uh, that they liked that I had improvised. And then they chastised everybody that had gone before me, like the guy who went before me with a script. They're like, they're like, yeah, man, you had all this time to sit with the script. You really should have improvised, come up with your own stuff. And they're like, so everybody going forward, that guy set the bar in terms of like what you should be thinking about doing for the script. Uh, but overall, you were monotone and you kind of dragged in the middle and you didn't like flex your personality. So we're going to pass. But thanks for coming out. But like, like I said, so a little bit in the long run, I tried like a little bit bad luck for the script, but all in all, the experience was like magic. It was straight gold. You know what I mean? That, that is something that like now I build on and I told this whole long lengthy story to get to this one point. And, uh, so the, the person who messaged me, by the way, uh, that we're supposed to, we're supposed to meet at 10. That's why I was going to wrap this up at about 15, 20 minutes or whatever. So I could get ready and then go meet them at 10. It's only like five minutes away from me. Um, she is not going to be able to meet till 1045. So I'm going to go ahead and push, you know, try to get to the whole, the hour for you guys today, um, and, and give you guys a full hour of content, which I wasn't expecting because I, you know, I slept in a little bit on Saturday, you know, got up, hung out with my kids and stuff like that. But Hey, we got a little bit extra time, so let's get to it. Um, so I told you that whole lengthy story to tell you this, the next time I had to speak in front of a group of people, by the way, like five is a number that would make me nervous. The next time I had to speak in front of a few people, like seven, eight, nine, ten people, or even at work at a meeting where I know everybody, I had the confidence because you know what I did? I said, Casey, why are you scared? You already stood up in front of a hundred people with a microphone and read a script and improvised and they clapped and they liked you. Like not loved you, but they liked you. They, they had positive things to say. And so I was able to build on that positive experience, right? So the brick went from over my head. Oh, you're afraid of speaking. Avoid at all costs, right? That brick's hovering over my head. And I was able to put that under my feet as a stepping stone now, right? I'm able to now say, bro, you've already done the hard thing. You've already done it with a hundred people for a thing you were most passionate about. Oh, and that was another thing that was driving me. It's like so passionate to talk about sports, right? I mean, I've literally thought about doing a podcast just talking about uh, baseball or Oakland A's or just sports in general or whatever. I haven't really like, you know, fleshed the idea out, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I love talking about sports. And so I was pushing myself like, hey, man, if you really want to pursue talking about sports... If you quit, there's zero chance, right? If you try, at least there's some percent chance they'll like you, right? 1%, 0.1%. It's all bigger than zero. So I, I ended up pushing myself to do it. And then I was able to take that positive experience. And now, whenever I have to talk in front of people, even though that was like five or six years ago, Casey, you've already done this. Ryan, you've already spoken in front of a room full of 100 strangers with a microphone and you did all right. You didn't die. So this can't be worse than that. Just do your thing. And so that gave me confidence to go into those situations where it's like speaking in a meeting room, doing presentations at your job, right? Like when you do software engineering, it's like you would not believe how often they ask you to come up and demonstrate a, a, a web application or just an app. It's so dumb. Like we all have the internet and you guys could just check out the app at your leisure, but you want someone to like PowerPoint slide, walk you through what the app does. So stupid. But anyways, um, you know, so even for presentations, I felt more confident. I had already spoken in a room full of people. Guys, I even took a 
uh, when I was when I got out of the Navy, I went to college for like ever because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I think I mentioned that in the in the first episode. Um, and I took a bunch of classes, a boatload of classes, like just a bunch of random stuff, including public speaking. I took a public speaking class because like I thought it was something nice to to give myself confidence. I thought like I could learn techniques and ways to be confident. And I just forced myself to take that class. And I ended up uh, I ended up you know public speaking in that class. You speak in that class like every every week. Everyone speaks, right? Or like half the class will speak. It's only like twenty twenty five people. And what what's crazy is you know that whole picture picture everybody in their underwear thing. Whatever that that's not something I did. But what I did I, I used that concept and I pictured everybody that was watching me speak that they were afraid of speaking too, right? They're in public speaking. So I'm like, wait, all these people are afraid of public speaking too. So it's like they're not judging me. They're like. They're like in awe that I can just talk, right? Because they're terrified, just like I was. And so then I use that, right? And I just use that to get through that class. And then later that experience I used to get to uh, to put in front of the the ninety five seven the game, you know, application, the mass application thing, the mass audition. And I don't know, I, I felt so good about that, and I was able to carry that. And so then I was like, when I talked in front of groups for work stuff or just peers or whatever, you have to do a little bit of public speaking. I was able to actually tap into the public speaking training, right? The training. Yeah, I went to this like intense boot camp. It was a class in college, right? But I was able to use the tips and tools that that instructor had given us uh, because it's like, oh, don't stare at one person. You know, scan the room. Uh, try to look from left to right. But, you know, obviously not swinging your head left and right all crazy or whatever, you know? You know, don't act like you have Parkinson's disease. You know what I mean? Just go up there and like look at the room scan the room slowly don't forget to breathe pause let things happen right there's natural interaction it's okay to be funny it's okay to mess up 90% of the time if you've ever watched someone speak ever if you've ever seen a public speech that person makes a mistake in the speech I like almost every single time they misspeak but it's it's actually it it makes it so much worse when you pause and go oh crap dang it, I messed up, or something like that. If you make that big pause, you draw someone's attention to it, then it's so much worse. But if you just keep rolling, it, it almost never notice. You never notice it because these people are good public speakers. Like, they're good at it, and that is a skill. Don't get it twisted. But when you hear them and they make that little mistake, you're like, oh, mistake, and then they keep going. Ten seconds later, you forgot it. So if that's how your mind works, like, why would anybody else? You know what I mean? Like, everybody just, they see that mistake for a second, and then ten seconds later, they just forget it. They just move on. So that's that's really our mistakes are so small. We just we just pile them on so hard in our head. But yeah, so I was able to apply that like keep rolling if you make a mistake. Just move on to the next thing if you make a mistake. Uh don't worry about it. Scan the room. You know, make eye contact. Pick 3 people. That's what the this what the instructor told me. Pick 3 people in the room that you're going to make eye contact with. And you just scan from and one left, right, and center, obviously, right? So you pick one left, you pick one right, you pick one center, and just occasionally look left, look right, look center. Or what, what really good speakers do is they pick three points in the room itself. So they'll look at the back left corner, the back right corner, and like the back door or some table in the back that's empty right in the middle of the room. So when you're scanning, you're not looking at anyone in particular, making them feel uncomfortable. You're just looking left to right. Like I'm going to look at the left corner. Now, I'm going to look at the right corner. Now, I'm going to look at the middle. I'm going to look back to the right. I'm going to look to the left, right? Maybe however you, you want a pattern or whatever, but it makes it easy to seem natural. And so that's a, it's a trick you use to be natural over time. I, I don't know why I'm spending so much time talking about public speaking. It's totally not the point. But those those tricks are there for you if you want, right? Like, there's a free tip, you know. Boom, brought to you by Casey's podcast, figuring shit out. Um, so, anyways, I was getting to a point where I could use these tips, 
And I actually felt a little bit more natural. I haven't done any like big public speaking or whatever, but now I know if I have to, I could do it. Like if I knew I had to do it, I could do it because I've already done it. I got in front of a hundred people. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I did it because I knew I can type of thing, you know? And I don't know if that makes sense, but I was able to use that positive experience and that positive feedback. Cause when I got, first of all, when I got out of there, by the way, by the way, guys, I'm not gonna lie. I had a, sh- I had a whiskey when I was there, just one whiskey, you know, two fingers or whatever, not like a major drink just to calm the nerves. So I did have that when I was done, I was there for like over an hour anyways, um, after the whiskey. So I didn't drive back after having whiskey, but then I had a water and I was shaking when I finished for a different reason because of excitement. I was so excited and proud of myself that I did this really difficult thing. I was shocked that I could do it, but I did it. And that made me so unbelievably proud of myself. So I went in the car, you know, had my glass of water, went in the car and my hands are still shaking. So I sat for a second. I was like, I can't even drive. I'm so pumped up. Called my wife. I was like, Joe, I did it. Oh my God. She's like, oh, you did it. Of course you did it. You're great. Because she's supportive and loving, right? Not because I'm great, because she's supportive and loving. Um, and she, she wants me to do it. You know, she wants, she knows I'm passionate about talking sports anyway. So she, she was rooting for me to do it because she knows I'm passionate about it. Um, and she thinks I'd be good at it. Um, so I called her and I talked to her for a few minutes until I got the nerves under control enough to drive. And that positivity has now stuck with me. And I overcame that fear that I conquered that negative internal dialogue. You're going to fail. You're going to sound like an idiot. You're going to study. You're going to mess up. You look stupid. You're overweight. Right, all those things. I'm like, your body type. What, what are you wearing? Who comes straight from work? You don't even seem like a professional. How dare you try to change the script? They wrote that script. They, you think you're better than the guy who wrote that script? Right, that voice was just all over me that day. But I beat that voice that day, and that gave me the confidence to like. That voice won't even pipe up much now when it's time for public speaking. You know you're gonna suck, right? Pfft, maybe. Shut up. I might suck. Shut your mouth. You know, and so I'm able to do that. Now I have a stepping stone that I can pull out anytime I want. Oh, public speaking? Got it. You know what I mean? And yes, I'll be nervous. Yes, I'll be intimidated, but I can still do it. And I think over time, not only will I be able to do it, I'll be able to do it well. If If I were to dedicate myself to public speaking, I'd probably be good at it. You know, in fact, I know I'd be good at it. And so... The reason why I'm telling you this whole thing about public speaking is because it's a personal experience that I had where I actually beat that voice, where I won. And the negativity lost. And now I have a positive tool that I can pull out and use anytime I want. And that's proof positive to me that the positive voice leads to more things. It steps up. It's scary to think that I'm just going to say I'm good and believe in myself and hope that it works out. That's a scary thing. But the reality is what you're doing is allowing yourself room to make those mistakes, learn, grow, build tools, and become a better overall person. And at the end of the day, if you did the thing that was hard, it doesn't matter if you did it well. How many people are ready, 100% ready, knowledgeable, going to knock it out of the park as parents? A moment of silence for all the parents. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But because but because we know that we don't have a choice, we're thrust into it. Even if we wanted to have the kid, the, the kid's coming at a certain point. You you are going to be as ready as you are nine months from now, 40 weeks from now, right? Like that's the moment that it happens. You're having the kid. It's not up to you. 
And, you know, barring other stuff, you know, you have the kid. That moment comes, you are as ready as you ever will be. Give it your best shot. And the stakes there are very high raising kids. The stakes there are very high. You know what I mean? There's a lot that could potentially be done wrong. And yet we somehow managed to do that. You know, the first time you drive a car, you're you're basically alone in the car. You're with a parent or whatever um, or with a friend or whatever. Somebody teaching you to drive. You don't know what you're doing, but you figure it out. Eventually, you get better at driving. Some people don't, but eventually, you get better at driving. And you get confidence enough to do it so well that you're willing to text while driving. Right? Imagine going back. And for me, texting didn't exist when I was 16, right? Obviously. Um, that was 20 years ago. I was 16, 20 years ago, guys. La ha ha ha, right? So there wasn't, texting was not possible. You know, laptops barely, barely? Did they? They had to be laptops, but I mean, come on. There were, you couldn't do anything, right? You couldn't, their mobile was like not a thing. Um, you know, unless, unless you're my uncle, who's a monster, who had a, who had a car phone. I don't know if you guys remember car phone. He is a, he's a monster for that. He had a car phone. That was OG. Um, anyways, uh, you know, but te- he couldn't text on it, right? He could dial and call and it would cost you like $8 a minute to use the phone. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, can you imagine that though? Going back when you first learned how to drive, having texting while driving, like get the hell out of here, right? That you, there's no way. I barely, barely drive without my hands on ten and two. Uh, so, you know, with time, you can become so confident with things that's actually dangerous. You know, like stuffing like that. You're so loose and casual with driving that you just text while you're driving. Who cares, right? I'll just check my phone, check my email, whatever. And, and that's it feels safe at first because you're enclosed. People can't really see you, so you're somewhat protected or whatever. But that's how that happens. You build it up. Um, when you feel exposed when you do something like public speaking, you can feel really like out there to the world and exposed. But you know what? I took that chance. I beat the voice. And now I have that positive tool and reinforcement for myself for the rest of my life that I know I can call on if I need it. But with the negativity, that would never be the case, right? Like I know for a fact that if I if I had quit – the negativity would kind of, in a way, serve as its own tool forever, too, because the next time I would go to try to public speak, the negativity would be like, ah, you already quit. I don't even have to try to break you down. You've already been broken down. You quit. You ran away. And that was difficult. And, like, you just aren't up to facing difficult things. So just just cash it in. And what ends up happening there is that that leaks over into other aspects, right? So if I had quit there, and I've done it before. I've, I've quit things that I was afraid to do, right? I've, like, I was, like, terrified of trying something, so I just gave up. Um, I can't think of anything like specific at the moment, which is a, another thing that's interesting, right? I could tell you very details about this story and how impactful it was to me, but I can't specifically recall a time that I quit something that I should have continued on because of fear. But anyways, um, so I do think the positive stuff is actually stronger than the negative stuff, but also that could leak over, right? If I had quit there that moment, I might regret that for a while and just feel bad about other aspects of my life. And then maybe I wouldn't be willing to talk in front of my you know, coworkers or do presentations at work and stuff like that. And I'd be like, ooh, Tim, these presentations suck. And that could leak over to confidence. Like, God, I still suck at these presentations. Like, oh, they're going to fire me. Oh, I'm the worst. Right? And that could leak over into other aspects of my life. But now this positivity, it did the opposite effect, right? It, it, leaded, it leaked over into other aspects of my life positively. And now that I have the confidence to do those types of things, um, I feel great. You know what I mean? I feel great about that experience and now I can build on that. So that that's just a lesson to me and I, that I want to, that I'm sharing with you guys that 
those positive successes, those things that you do that make you get those wins that you beat that negative internal dialogue with positive internal dialogue, those give you the strength to step forward, to step up, to move on, to be stronger than you think you are. You know, and that's a major, major thing. And so I'm just like hoping that people that struggle with that type of thing more than the average person who struggle with the public speaking that they can, or just things in general. I don't know. I keep, I, I'm just like, I have this specific example in my mind. People who struggle with letting the negative internal dialogue overcome them, overwhelm them. This can be a positive example of when that thing changed. And you know, the first thing the negative inner dialogue is going to do, what did they, I think it was in the Bible where they say, the first thing they want to do is discredit you. I don't know if it's a Bible, some other, you know, I'm not, I'm not huge on like remembering where all these like sayings come from. I just use them to remind myself of things, right? I use these sayings to help myself. But there's that expression, right? That saying or proverb, whatever, where it's like, the first thing they want to do is discredit you. That's what the negative inner dialogue does. So as soon as you think that you want to try something new, the negative inner dialogue will jump in and be like, do you really think you're capable of that? Before it even tears you down, it discredits the notion, right? And so that's how you know it's bullshit. Just ignore that voice, that stupid negative inner dialogue, the one that's talking to you and telling you that you're not good enough. Because it's just BS. It's not true. And so it's trying to discredit you before you can get started. And I think we do that to ourselves because it's safe. It's so safe to not try, to not risk anything. But the reality is for most of the stuff that we want to try, we're not risking anything. What, five minutes of public embarrassment? Like the worst possible case scenario. You go up on stage, and I'm, this time I'm doing the public speaking on purpose. You go up on stage... You start to speak and you like are freezing up and then you notice your jaw is not moving and you're just staring off into space and you are completely and utterly frozen by fear standing in front of thousands of people and you see nothing but cell phones staring back at you recording this embarrassing moment until you have enough physical capacity to run away. And as you run, you trip over something and fall down and everyone just gasps and they start laughing hysterically at your mistake and you become an internet meme that lasts for an entire month. Okay, but at the end of the day, really, what did you lose from that? Really? Some people say, my dignity, my pride. Really? Really? You lost all of your pride and dignity is just gone. It's all gone. You have none left. All the pride, all the dignity is gone. Is it really? And I mean, the beauty of it is this is a fast-paced world and there are internet memes, right? The 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 upshot of that is that you've been memed for a month, but then at the end of the month people forgot you. Right? Like let me give you an example. What are those? Hottest meme on the internet for like a month. Damn, Daniel. Hottest meme on the internet for like a month. That dude went on the Ellen show for saying, damn, Daniel. No one could tell, no one could pick that guy out in a lineup right now. How about this one? Catch me outside. How about that? Tell me what that girl looks like. Hottest meme on the internet for a month. Right? Like these people are memed to death. 
but there's they still get to move on and live their life right you know what i'm saying like that's the beauty of the internet so even in the worst possible case scenario for a public speaking it's over in a month and done and forgotten about you haven't actually lost anything you know and that will be embarrassing and hard to deal with but dealing with that you get to build strength on those are opportunities to let that positive inner dialogue shine and I just know for a fact that that's not going to happen to you anyways. And that's the worst possible case scenario. The most likely bad case scenario is you kind of suck at it. And people are just uninspired or not moved or not interested in what you're saying or doing. Whatever it is that, that you're trying to accomplish. The worst case scenario is you kind of suck at it. That's the most realistic bad case scenario. You're just kind of bad at it. That's, that's not really anything worth worth getting all, you know, worked up about. You might kind of suck at some things in life. Dear Lord, why didn't you tell me this before I was born? I would have asked to never be born if I knew I would suck at some things in life. Worst thing ever happened to me. It's not, right? You don't care. You don't care. And there are certain things. Maybe someone has sat in front of a piano and wasn't Mozart. And they tried it. They took a few lessons. They sucked at it. Maybe somebody had the inkling that they might be able to sing if they had a voice coach. They took a a couple of voice lessons and they turned out they're not good singers. You kind of suck at it. Hell, I suck at singing. You know what I'm saying? And I've, I've sang karaoke in front of people knowing full well I suck, mainly because karaoke bars are bars, right? And you have alcohol, so you're uninhibited. But... I know I suck at singing, so it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's like, what is the cost? I've gone up full well knowing, you know, being with friends who are like, oh, we're going to karaoke. It's like, oh, I'm really bad at karaoke. Like, oh, everybody says that. I'm like, no, no, but I'm like, I'm really a bad singer. And they're like, no, you can't be that bad. We're going to sign you up. And I'm like, uh, please don't. And then they do. And they're like, Casey, you're up. And I don't want to like be that guy. So I go up and I sing horribly, right? I've done it like three times in my life. I do it, sing horribly. They never invite me back, right? They're like, they're like, never do that again. But it's like, yeah, I told you. Yeah, I told you I suck. Like, whatever. And then we move on with our lives. But there are going to be things that you suck at. There are going to be things that you varying degrees suck at. You know, kind of suck, really suck, the worst ever, right? Like there, there's varying degrees. Like I would right now be the worst ever half NBA halftime performing unicyclist who juggles plates. Right now I'm the worst ever. But I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? So it's like there are things that we accept because they're not our goals and our ambitions. I have no, I have no desire to be a uh, NBA halftime unicycling plate juggler. I have no interest in it. And I do have interest in other things. I have goals, right? And so that's when I put that pressure on myself and I say, well, are you really good enough? Are you really going to be able to accomplish the, the goal? Are you really going to be able to do it? Are you sure you're ready? Right? And the negative inner dialogue comes in. Negative inner dialogue doesn't even bother with stuff you don't care about. So if you care about something, you're going to hear that negative inner dialogue, especially for somebody like me who hears it for everything he does. That he cares about, right? That, that they care about. I hear it for everything I care about. But that's like, I guess like me talking through it with you guys today makes me realize that's an opportunity to beat that voice and tell it to shut up. And I think eventually if I beat that voice, I turn the volume up on the positive inner dialogue, I think eventually it'll be so drowned out that it barely comes up. I bet you. I have a feeling that if I keep trying to drown it out and I keep turning up the positive instead, 
that I can probably get it to where it's like not on very much at all. Or it's like it's on super infrequently, rarely on, right? And I think here's here's a trick too that I think I'm going to try to start using. What I think I'm going to try try to do is when I start hearing that negative inner dialogue, if I feel it cycling to where I'm not beating it, I'm going to go tell my friends about it. I'm just going to snitch on the voice. I'm a tattle. I'm going to be like, uh, guys, you know, mom, Joe, friends, family, loved ones. We are gathered here today because I have a negative inner dialogue. And I want to accomplish this thing. Help me trump this negative inner dialogue. Get it out of my head. It's beating me up. It's being mean to me. And I know you don't like when things are mean to me. So I'm going to use you to help me beat this thing up, right? It's stronger than me. I need help. So I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to make it a point that if I feel that negative inner dialogue, in fact, I might just practice it. Even if I feel like I'm beating it, I'm going to still practice it to get that more extra reinforcement. For every single thing that I'm doing, I want uh, I want that positive reinforcement. I'm going to make it a point to go after that. Yeah. And I think you guys should too. I think you guys should too. This is something that we have to like conquer this as individuals. Like we have to do this by ourselves, but we don't have to be alone when we're doing it. If that makes sense. Like, you know, when, when a player hits a home run, a baseball player hits a home run that wins the game or he makes that world series winning play, the, the pinnacle of, of a life dedication to sports and that pinnacle is reached for that person. That could be anything for anybody. I, I default to sports in case you guys didn't know. He hits that home run. And it's the pinnacle. He's the one who hit the home run. He's standing in that batter's box completely alone. And he's the one swinging the bat. But he is definitely not by himself. In terms of having reached that level in terms of being in that position, in terms of being spectated, in terms of being part of a team, that person made that achievement by themselves or uh, alone, but not by themselves, whichever way you want to look at it. But that's how we should look at life. I would never think I could be a professional baseball player or professional really anything that requires an extreme level of competition. And think that I'm not going to have coaches help me. Think I'm not going to have family support me. Like, I mean, do you imagine the amount of effort that goes into helping a team win a championship? Like the individual practice, the individual who practices on their own, the the coach who coordinates practices. Not only does a coach set up the practice times and the places and all this good stuff, they they go over what they're going to practice. And you have motivational speeches, you have strength and conditioning coaches, you have you know, time in the gym, you have, uh, you know, team communication meetings, you have to run plays and you have to, you know, learn a playbook or, or understand signs if you're playing baseball and signals. And there's so much stuff that goes into winning a championship, you know, that even the top and most elite teams sometimes cheat to get themselves there on top of all the effort that they're putting in legitimately. And so it's it's foolish of me to think that I would just walk onto a team. Uh, I'm just going to be on the, I'm just going to be in the NBA now. I'm just going to play for the Warriors. Me and the Warriors are just going to be I'm just going to play for the Warriors. Even if I was actually the best basketball player that ever lived. Like somehow I just had this un unfathomable gift 
to play basketball better than anyone's ever done it. Do you honestly think that that would be enough on its own to be a career if I just said, well, I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to listen to coaches. I'm not going to do strength and conditioning. I don't care what drills we're doing. I don't care what teamwork is. I don't care what signs we're calling, what plays we're running. I don't care what the, what defense, triangle defense, trap defense, man defense, zone defense. Don't care. I'm going to do me and we're going to win these games. That's not going to work. So since this is a team thing, it's established. I'm, I'm telling you for a fact it's a team thing. None of us are doing this for realsies on our own. It's a team. Embrace the team. Let's do that. Let's embrace our team. Give ourselves positive inner dialogue. Allow yourself to mess up, guys. Sometimes you're going to mess up. You know? Whatever. Brush it off. Dust your shoulders off. We going to be all right. You know, because we got each other. And, and for me, a big thing that's helping right now is just talking. I don't know why, but this, you know, I woke up today and I was like, well, I don't really have time for podcasts. Plus, I'm going to go, you know, uh, meet meet with a friend. And I got this other thing I got going on. We'll spend some time with my kids and, you know, blah, de, blah, de, blah. Right. So I had all these things going on in my in my mind about why I wasn't going to do it. But I, I looked at the clock. I was like, man, I have 30 solid minutes. I'm just going to I'm going to do like 20, 25 minute podcasts before I get before I get ready. And in the middle of the podcast of the 20, 25 minutes, I get a text that the person I'm supposed to meet is going to be late by 45 minutes. And so I was like, boom, I got enough time to finish this entire podcast. And I know for me that I want to do this so bad. I don't know. I wake up and it's like, I need to do a podcast. You know what kills me is after I'm done with a podcast, it's it feels so good to me. No lie, guys. It feels so good to me that for the rest of the day, I'm thinking about podcasting. For the entire rest of the day, I want to just podcast. I'm like, ugh, I'm not podcasting. Ugh, why am I not podcasting? I want to talk. So for me, this is such a positive thing. I don't know. It helps me saying it out loud, f- pretending that people are listening to me, feeling like I might be helping someone or that I might be learning from my own thoughts, you know, saying them out loud. is such a big deal. It feels so good to me that I want to do it every single day and that it makes me think about doing it the entire day long. I really feel amazing by doing this. And I hope you guys find something like that. And I, I mean, it could be something as simple as uh, now I understand why people have diaries. I understand what I'm starting to understand why people have journals, diaries, why they, you know, why they talk to, to other people. And if you have the courage and strength and to, to have a close personal friend that you can have a good dialogue with, let them know and tell them like, hey, I'm going to monopolize this conversation. I'm just going to talk because I just feel like talking. And I, I hope that you can understand that and just be a good friend and listen. And it's a, I have nothing negative to say. I just want to talk. And I would love it if you just you know, sit with me and talk and listen. And, you know, there may come a time where they need that back, you know, and you give it back. But, I mean, that's just – if that's what you need for nourishment, then nourish yourself and start saying positive things and, you know, be positive to yourself. Love yourself, guys. Um, that's all I have for today. Uh, you know, pleasant surprise for me. I, you know, if you guys like it, great. Um, I had a blast. I had a blast talking about this stuff today. It was fun telling you the story about um, public speaking. I'm really enjoying this, guys. So, I mean, I'm going to keep doing it. I can't promise that Sunday is going to be a day that I podcast, but I, I I don't want to promise it. But I don't – I'd be surprised if I didn't wake up tomorrow and feel like podcasting. You know what I'm saying? Because it feels really, really good. I like doing it. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is – turns out it was episode four of Figuring Some Shit Out. I'm Casey, and I will talk to you guys again soon.